A new spate of polls has been released showing that only about 35% of Americans want to see a rerun of the presidential race between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Approximately 57% of Americans would rather watch a rerun of Ren and Stimpy adult party cartoon, while 65% would prefer to have one of those pimples you sometimes get on the inside of your lip, and then you forget about it and drink a glass of orange juice, and it feels like your face is full of hydrochloric acid. Approximately 80% of people who don't work in the news media say a Biden candidacy would be inappropriate because the president's body has begun to decay and it smells bad, and yet he keeps saying Bidenomics is working in a scary whisper voice, distracting them while they're trying to hunt down a squirrel for dinner. Conversely, 80% of those who are in the news media say they don't smell anything, and anyway, it's probably just some meat that's gone rotten in the refrigerator, and there's absolutely no evidence that Biden is as corrupt as he obviously is, so everything's fine. Around 70% of Republicans who oppose a Trump candidacy say it's because Trump keeps making that giant frowny face so he looks like a walking mugshot, and also because he keeps posting on Truth Social about how everyone he doesn't like should be executed, and they're beginning to worry he may be serious, and also because, just look at him for crying out loud, what are you, crazy? 95% of Democrats who oppose Trump run around in circles screaming that Hitler held transsexual slaves in the American South before murdering George Floyd with fossil fuels. Then the Democrats set off the fire alarm, explaining they were in a hurry to go to the bathroom and throw up because climate change has created so much racism that you can't even castrate your child without Republicans banning abortion. Although Republicans denounced the Democrats for setting off the alarm, Democrats defended the action, saying they had to do it because they're completely hysterical. Since the American people want better candidates than last time, both Democrats and Republicans are working hard to make sure the American people don't get what they want because screw them. For, in for instance, with polls showing voters strongly disapprove of the Democrat president, Democrats, Democrat policies, and Democrat policies made by Democrats working with the Democrat president, Republican Congressman Matt Gates has devised a brilliant plan to ensure that only Democrats are elected to office from now on. By engineering the ouster of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Gates temporarily traded a likely Republican electoral victory for self-destructive paralyzing chaos until McCarthy can be replaced by Gates' imaginary friend, Boo Boo the Invisible Bear. Congresswoman Nancy Mace, likewise, voted for the Gates plan, but says morning sex with her fiancé <laughs> was just so fantastic that she was in a haze of afterglow and didn't know what the hell she was voting for. In response to the McCarthy vote, Congressional Democrats set off the fire alarm and ran into the street screaming about Hitler's transphobic climate change. Meanwhile, no matter how unpopular the idea of a Trump-Biden rematch is, other candidates have not been able to make any headway. <laughs> At the last Republican debate, for example, Nikki Haley just wagged her finger and scolded people for no reason, like when your maiden aunt gets angry drunk at Thanksgiving but is too deaf to understand what anyone is talking about. Vivek Ramaswamy delivered an articulate and impassioned speech and is now waiting to find out what he said so he can disagree with it. And Ron DeSantis continued to do an excellent job governing the state of Florida, thus rendering himself entirely unelectable. Across the aisle, meanwhile, RFK Jr. has announced he's going to run as an independent. He says his differences with the Democrat Party are irreconcilable because they're corrupt and authoritarian, whereas he's totally insane. Thus, no matter what the voters want, it looks like it's going to be the corpse versus the mugshot all over again. So on your way out of the country, don't forget to set off the fire alarm. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show.
All right, that's twice in a row I've cracked up during the opening. I got to hire some writers so they're not as hilarious. Uh, all right, the vast right-wing conspiracy known as Clavenon continues. You know, it's time to start. It's actually October. It's time to start preparing for a Claven family Christmas. And the way you do that is pre-order the House of Love and Death that Publishers Weekly in a starred review said is the best in the Cameron Winter series. I think it's only as great as the other two when Christmas comes and a strange habit of mine. But you will love the House of Love and Death. Great Christmas present. And you can also get my daughter Faith Moore's book, A Christmas Carol, which is not that Christmas Carol, but a new Christmas Carol about a girl boss who finds out about the things that matter. That re- I'm, I'm reading it now. It's just absolutely charming and delightful. So you should have a Clavin family Christmas because it's not like your Christmas where, you know, your uncle gets drunk and starts telling you secrets about your father's ex-wife. It's not like that. We have really happy Christmases. So if you get our books, you'll have a happy Christmas, too. You also want <laughs> to subscribe to the Andrew Clavin YouTube channel. Uh, they, you'll get exclusive content. We also put up our interviews, our weekly interviews, which you can get on the feed or wherever you get your podcast. But you can also get them there. Last week's interview was on out-of-control crime in New York. And this one will be a really interesting interview with a best-selling author who has written a book about an unbelievable true crime story you've never heard before. You don't want to miss that. You also, as I say, get exclusive content, which we hand deliver to your house uh, wearing only a, an overcoat uh, with nothing underneath it. And we wrap the content in pornography so it looks uh, you know, more respectable than our content. Also, if you leave a comment and the comment is disgusting morally and uh, in every ethically every other way, we will read it on the air because that's what we're here for. Today's comment is from Sam8190. He says, I don't know why it took me this long, but I finally pre-ordered the House of Love and Death. Now that I've signed my life away to the cult of Clavin, I feel as though my very being finally has meaning and purpose. That's not just a feeling, Sam. That is actually true. Once you pre-order this book, you will have meaning and purpose you never had before. But meanwhile, while you're doing that, we will get to today's episode, Bang Your Wife and Save the Country. So last week we were talking about marriage, and which is, you know, in keeping, I was talking about the things that this girl, Pearl Davis, uh, talks about, about the divorce laws and how feminism has been bad for marriage. And yet I was defending the institution of marriage because I think it's the only thing that is going to save the country and your personal life. And this is in keeping with my deeply unpopular idea that instead of screaming about leftists and feminists in the system, the first thing you should do while dealing in politics is take care of your own life. Uh, because that's how, the, remember, this is how the left won by infiltrating our institutions over the course of 50 or 60 years. Individuals did that who actually deeply believed what in what they were selling, and they infiltrated our institutions, and that's how they destroyed it. And we're not going to beat them in one or two elections. So you have to start with your life and lead the way by the way you're living into a world fit for free men and women who act independently in little cohorts, including in marriages. So I immediately got the nonsense. I don't have a lot of respect, I got to admit, for these clickbait people. Uh, You know, I immediately got this response like, when are you going to debate Pearl Davis? When are you going to debate Andrew Tate? When are you going to debate Nick Fuentes? And my response is always the same. First of all, I don't debate because I don't care about winning an argument or or gotcha things. And I'm happy to uh, discuss ideas with people who have ideas, but these people don't actually have ideas. They just see things that are wrong and they use those things to feed your rage so that you will click on their content, which is fine if you want to, if that's what you want to do. And it's always the same. They work. I said this last week and then it actually happened. 
what they do is they say these extreme and often wicked things about minorities, about Jews, about women, whatever it is, and they feed your rage so that you will live a lonely and sad life. And then, you know, what they do is in, buried in that, they have some points because they're always, it's always, you can always say, uh, talk about what things are wrong. So you say like, women are evil, divorce laws suck, never get married. And so someone like me responds and says, come on, you know, women, women are not evil and marriage is still the best way to have a, a good life. And then, you know, Pearl puts up a tweet saying, so you won't debate reforming the divorce laws. They always retreat into this one area where they say something that makes sense. And, you know, <laughs> this is a trick. This is a trick that all of these clickbaiters use. And if there's one thing about, you know, Pearl and Tate and Fuente, they're, they're master baiters. So fostering bitterness and anger so they get clicks and you get mired in loneliness and anger and a sense of helpless despair because that's what comes of bitterness and, and anger and all that. It's just a way of making you easy to control so they can profit off you. And, and all sides use this. Anyone, remember this, anyone can see what's wrong. And anyone can use what's wrong to make you angry. Angry. And anger makes you stupid and easy to control. This is a big rule. This is the first rule you should learn and beat into your own head. Because I can't come to your house and beat it into your head for you. Beat this into your own head. Anyone can see what's wrong. Anyone can use what's wrong to make you angry. And anger makes you stupid and easy to control and easy to milk for cash. And if you know that... You can learn to pay attention to culture and politics like free men and women instead of like chess pieces being moved around by other people for their benefit. So let's start by looking at politics. Have you ever heard of data brokers? They're the middlemen collecting and selling all those digital footprints you leave online. They can stitch together detailed profiles of your browsing history, online searches, and location data, and sell it off to advertising companies who use the information to serve you targeted advertisements. No big deal, right? Well, you might be surprised to learn that these same data brokers are also selling your information to the Department of Homeland Security and the IRS to mask my digital footprints, I protect myself with Express VPN. One of the easiest ways for brokers to aggregate data and tie it back to you is through your device's unique IP address, which also reveals information about your location. When you're connected to Express VPN, your IP address is hidden, making it much more difficult for data brokers to identify who you are. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your network traffic, keeping your data safe from hackers on public Wi-Fi. I have the ExpressVPN app downloaded on all my devices, my phone, my computer, and even my home Wi-Fi router. All I have to do is tap one button to turn it on, and I'm protected. Even I can do it. It's that easy. Make sure your online activity and data is protected with the best VPN money can buy. Visit expressvpn.com slash Clavin. Use my link to get three extra months free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S of vpn.com slash Clavin, expressvpn.com slash Clavin. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how do you spell VPN? It's K-L-A-V-A-N or something. Chapter one, the hell of Gates. So here's why I think the French Revolution was a worldwide disaster and why the American Revolution was one of the greatest political moments in all of human history. I think it's because the Americans knew who they wanted to be, and the French only knew who they wanted to kill. And that's a big difference. You know, I have, I have this argument 
with my friend Sebastian Gorka all the time, Steve Bannon, who I also know, though less well, he has the same philosophy. And these are not people I hate and, or people I have a grudge against at all. I really like uh, Gorka, and I, I've always gotten along with Bannon when I see him. These are people I like, but they both believe that the system is so screwed up that we need a berserker like Trump, usually, but other people too, to take a blowtorch to it. And my thought is always, really? <laughs> like, let's use our imaginations for a minute. You burn the system to the ground. What happens then? Do you think like a brand new, beautiful, pristine American republic is going to grow up out of the ashes? Or do you think we'll get decades of civil war leading to a dictatorship like they they got in Rome when they burnt it all down? They just had emperors fighting each other for the next years. And people say, well, the beginning of the Roman Empire was actually pretty good. And and that is actually true. The beginning of the Roman Empire was actually pretty good, but it wasn't so good if you wanted to express an opinion or you wanted to worship a god who didn't happen to be the emperor or you didn't care about being a free man. I mean, this system is unique. The American system is unique in its freedoms. No one has ever been as free as we have been for the last let's call it 50 years, for the last, really since World War II. No one has ever been this free, I think, under any structure that was actually working. Now, it's absolutely true. Our culture is sick and our politics is stagnant and our Justice Department is corrupt. Our whole justice apparatus is corrupt. What they're doing to Trump is wrong. What they've done to the January Sixers is wrong. And that's not saying that Crimes weren't committed. It's not saying bad things weren't done. It's just saying they're being, they're also being persecuted. But just because all those things are true and just because they make you angry and they make me angry and they make any, anyone who's paying attention angry, that doesn't mean the guy who's screaming about it has the answers. Cause he may be, especially if he's a politician or somebody who's a, a clickbaiter, he may be just playing your anger for his own profit, right? That's what people do. Anger and bitterness are starting points. They're not destinations. And if the people, if, if it, if people depend on you to be angry, they're not helping you. All right. So Congressman Matt Gaetz, he led, I think it was seven other House Republicans and they ousted uh, Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. And Steve Bannon is congratulating him. You're causing chaos. That's what we need. And once there's chaos, then we can take the system apart and we'll re rebuild it together. And I, you know, I'm having a hard time believing that that's what's going to happen. Meanwhile, I have to say, on the other side, mainstream Republicans are saying, well, this is the end of Republican hopes for victory, and Biden is so weak, and the Democrats are so weak, all of which is true, that we have a real chance of beating them with almost anybody, except for Donald Trump, who's going to be the hardest rock to push up that hill. But just about anybody else could just wipe these guys out, and they're making it so hard. Now, I think the mainstream Republicans are panic panicking. I think this could pass and it could work out fine. It could be all right. But are we really following Matt Gates down this rabbit hole? Is he really doing this for our sake and for the sake of, of the kind of reform that we actually need? Joe Biden is an utterly failed president. I mean, the media keeps applauding. The, you know, he's passed so many bills, but they never mention his bills suck. His bills are making things worse. The economy's bad. Inflation is bad. The border, the things that are happening at the border are a shameful violation of the rule of law. I don't understand why that is not an impeachable offense. He is not defending the border. He's actually... He's actually building a wall, part of a wall now. And he's saying, well, we have to do this, but we're also waiving all the environmental laws to do it. But it's not going to work, but we're doing it, but we're not doing it because we said we wouldn't do it, but we're doing it. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing piece of uh, absurdity. 
And it doesn't mean anything because he's still telling the Border Patrol not to enforce the border, border laws. He's just making them do paperwork, as, you know, fill out papers as you come in. He is doing this on purpose. And the only reason he's doing anything, I assume, is because brilliantly, finally, the Republicans at the border states are shipping these guys up to New York and up to the Democrat cities. And all these guys who virtue signal about being uh, sanctuary cities are suddenly saying, yeah, when we said that, we didn't mean we wanted you to come here. We just wanted to look like we were, you know, it's kind of like Martha's Vineyard or where they were, the, the illegals showed up and suddenly they were painting over their signs that said no one is illegal. All right. So all of these things are bad. And they oust uh, Kevin McCarthy from the speakership and Gates makes speeches about it. This is cut 11. I don't think voting against Kevin McCarthy is chaos. I think $33 trillion in debt is chaos. I think that facing a $2.2 trillion annual deficit is chaos. I think that not passing single-subject spending bills is chaos. I think the fact that we have been governed in this country since the mid-90s by continuing resolution and omnibus is chaos. And the way to liberate ourselves from that is a series of reforms to this body that I would hope would outlast Speaker McCarthy's time here would outlast my time here and would outlast either of our majorities. So you, you turn on the TV at this part in the movie, right? You come in the middle of the movie, you've missed the whole movie. And you think like, wow, that, that guy is really making sense. We have a 33 trillion debt, you know, debt and our deficit is out of control. And they're these continuing resolutions, they pack them with pork. And McConnell has never done anything, which is absolutely true. McConnell is to blame for a lot of this, except, except. Kevin McCarthy, and, and listen, I'm not, he's, there's no poster of Kevin McCarthy on my wall. I expected him to be an absolute John Boehner of a disaster as Speaker of the House. But he just wasn't. He just wasn't. He went about quietly doing the hard, compromising, unglamorous, unloved work of the House of Representatives, which is not a place for flamethrowers. It's a place for negotiators. It's a place for deals. It's a place for small, incremental progress that the kind of thing I always compare it to football. You don't say, well, I only gained a yard, so I don't want that play. No, you want every yard you can get. And, you know, Gates and his followers, the, these these guys on who are pretending to be on the far right, I'm not sure they actually are on the far right. I, I wish they were on the far right. They're the guys who hampered a lot of this. They're the guys who kept a lot of these bills that that Biden agreed to that actually cut spending because McCarthy negotiated those bills with Biden. They're the ones who kept them from moving forward. And Gates has been, meanwhile, has been badgering uh, McCarthy all this time to stifle an ethics investigation into Gates, which nobody knows exactly what it's about, but it seems to be about underage women, maybe sex trafficking, maybe money crimes. We don't know. It may, and look, until the investigation comes out, maybe it's nothing. But he has been badgering McCarthy and blaming McCarthy. But he, he says that McCarthy has set the dogs on him, but that's not entirely true because he was being investigated before this. McCarthy is a dull, pleading guy, but he did okay. I, I mean, to give you an example, there's an exclusive story from Newsweek written by William Arkin, the federal government believes that the threat of violence and major civil disturbances around the 2024 U.S. presidential election is so great that it has quietly created a new category of extremists that it seeks to track and counter, Donald Trump's MAGA followers. So MAGAs are, are terrorists for voting for Donald Trump, but Antifa and BLM are just great guys for burning Minneapolis to the ground and, and turning Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, and New York into hell. It's infuriating. It makes you angry. 
But these are the kinds of things that McCarthy was actually working on fairly effectively, as Jim Jordan, who's now running for speaker, said, because Jim Jordan tried to save McCarthy's speakership. Here's what he said. Cut nine. Because of our oversight, we know that parents were targeted by the Department of Justice. Because of our oversight, we know that 51 former intel officials misled the country weeks before the most important election we have. And because of our oversight, the Disinformation Governance Board at the Department of Homeland Security is gone. Because of our oversight, the memo attacking pro-life Catholics has been rescinded. Because of our oversight, unannounced visits to Americans' home by the Internal Revenue Service has stopped. That happened under Speaker McCarthy. So that's, you know, that's from Jim Jordan. Yeah, he's a pretty trustworthy conservative. You know, he's a politician. So but he, you know, I, he was on the show once and I interviewed him and I asked him tough questions and he explained the kinds of things that he was doing. Meanwhile, Gates was supporting Jeb Bush before he fell in love with Trump. So I'm not actually convinced that Gates is a man of principle who is following doing anything but trying to save himself from investigation and raise funds. He's, of course, raising millions of campaign funds off this and wants to run, I think, for the governor of Florida. The Republican Party has been awful. They've been awful for decades. I mean, really. And I've told the story before of how I talked to one of the top people in the party, and he told me how he was going to ignore the Tea Party. They have been ignoring the people all this time. They've been ignoring the attacks on our culture. They've been ignoring the struggles of their people and their set of, of our people in the sense of right and wrong. They're, they're spending $33 trillion in debt. They're $33 trillion in debt. And if you go into debt, you lose your house. It is right to be angry. It is right to, you know, think we have to change things. But and if it weren't for our anger, they wouldn't do anything. But the fact is, the fact is, we're part of the problem. Why? You know, thirty three trillion dollars in debt and all the other things he said, the continuing resolutions. Nobody cares why. And, and Trump didn't fix it. His debt increase was second only to Obama, so Trump didn't fix it. And when Paul Ryan did his best to fix it he, by going after the uh, entitlements that are at the heart of the problem, conservatives hated him because he was soft on the border. All right, and he was soft on the border, and he was wrong, but still, still, he was the only guy to actually step on that third rail, and Trump destroyed Ryan, you know, because he said— because Trump promised not to touch any of the entitlements. So first you have to give up the entitlements. And you know why nobody wants to give up entitlements? And you know why nobody cares about the deficit and, and the debt? It's because of me. It's because of me. It's because of too many people who are old. Because people who are old, and by the time the debt destroys the country, and by the time entitlements destroy the country, I'm going to be with Jesus, okay? I'm going to be parting with Jesus. We're going to be passing the holy wine around, and we're going to look down and say, what was that? What was a little spark I just saw out in the middle of the cosmos? Oh, that was America blowing up because of the debt. And I'm like, eh, you know, it's, it's too bad. They, they spent a lot of money, you know, taking care of me. The country is growing old. Why? Because you're not getting married and having babies. That's exactly why. The country is getting old because you are sitting around complaining and listening to Pearl Davis and not getting married and having babies. Ross Douthat writes about this in the New York Times. He says, as the society has grown older with longer life expectancies and fewer kids, quoting, I'm quoting Ross here, their old age commitments become steadily more costly as the share of voters who benefit from those commitments and turn out to vote increases. I'm a reliable voter and I'm getting the benefits from all these entitlements, right? This makes it harder to fix fiscal problems, and it makes the path of least political resistance, the protection of the old, and shortchanging the young, 
who, because they're shortchanged, start fewer families and deepen societal senescence. So we get older because you guys are getting screwed by me, and and therefore you're not having families. So remember again, once again, it took 50 years for the left to destroy the country, 60 years really. So what should you be doing that will save the country in 50 years? Well, obviously, obviously, you should be raw dogging your wife and getting her pregnant. <laughs> Instead of listening to me, you, should be, you can listen to me while you're doing it. Just, you should be banging your wife and getting your, getting her pregnant. Instead of whining that the divorce laws are bad, instead of whining about feminists, don't marry a feminist. Feminists suck. Marry a nice Catholic girl like Pearl Davis who won't divorce you. Put her over your shoulder, carry her into the bedroom and knock her up. People say, you know, people always say this. They yell at me because they say I want to see women barefoot and pregnant. And that's just not true. I have nothing. There's nothing wrong with women wearing socks. But of course they should be pregnant. That's what they're there for. They should be pregnant over and over again. And by the way, you Nazis who hate me, this is good advice for you, too. Instead of whining, you know, it's the Jews and the colored people. Hey, leave them alone. They've got their own problems. You want to make more white people. Go at it, boy. You know, stop complaining about the Jews and make some more Christians. Make some more white people. Do it. Do it. Bang your wife. Save the country. I, you know, I, I'm not actually kidding about this. If you think this country sucks, and I think right now this country is in real trouble, remember it took 50 years, 60 years to destroy it. You've got 50, 60 years to take it back. So if, if you're playing video games and smoking dope and watching porn, you are the problem. If you don't like women, you think women are bad, you don't like the state of marriage, you don't want to give up your freedom to support children, get some patriotism, get married, bang your wife, and knock her up. That's it. That's the solution. You know, you just got to think long. You got to think short term with your wife, long term with the eight to 10 kids that you should be having right this minute. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. There are no added fees, and your personal info is kept private. Let me tell you from personal experience, it is very satisfying to check life insurance off your to-do list, and getting covered can be even more satisfying with Policy Genius. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, your family will have a safety net to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it won't follow you if you leave your job. Since life insurance typically gets more expensive as we age, now is the time to buy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for 1 million bucks of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find it. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Chapter two, Lizzo is sexy and other bullshit. If you don't think I'm right about this, about getting married and having kids, ask yourself, why is the left constantly trying to destroy the basis of marriage? You know, marriage is a natural state. It's in the first chapters of the Bible, right? You know, that is why a man, a woman 
A man leaves his home. Is it a man leaves his home? Yes, I'm sorry, I'm quoting from memory. And, the, and marries his wife, and they become one flesh. That is the basic, it's the basic building block of every society. When somebody tells you not to get married, and I, I believe all the problems, I understand all the problems, you have to solve those by living your life in such a way that they don't happen or they're less likely to happen to you. And by the way, taking a chance on all kinds of things, you know, you take big chances for big things. But if somebody is telling you marriage is over, they're telling you society is over. So they're not thinking 50, 60 years down the line like the left did when they destroyed America. If you don't think I'm right about this, ask yourself why they're always going after the most simple human values. One of the cultural trends I've noticed recently in movies is the attempt to declare fat black women attractive. Now, by the way, by the way, black women... I don't know why this is true, but black women are some of the nicest people I meet and some of the most attractive people I meet, actually. And they're always calling me pet names like Boo and Sweetie, which, by the way, is the quickest way to turn me into your love slave. I am a sucker for that. How I've lived a faithful marriage, married life, I do not know, because that's it. I'm gone. I'm, your, my heart belongs to you. So this is not an attack on black women of any weight class whatsoever. What, here's what this is about. I first noticed this in a genuinely bad Christmas film last Christmas called Spirited. In, and conservative friends were telling me how great this was. This was garbage. Ebenezer Scrooge turns out to school the spirits on what's right and what's wrong. And you shouldn't be kind and you should curse at people and all that stuff. You know, you've got to loosen up, dude. It's that, that old crap that we get from the left all the time. You know, we're here to teach you. We're going to teach you about things. All, all those traditions, they don't mean anything. All that old virtue, they're always trying to destroy all the human values. Anyway, in the middle of this, Will Ferrell talented guy, he falls for Octavia Spencer, a talented actress from The Help and Hidden Figures and other movies I'm never going to see, but she is a talented actress. I have seen her. But she's she's overweight and she's not very attractive. And I was looking at this and just thinking, why would they make her the love interest? Why not use someone pretty and shapely for the love interest? It seems an easy call. But this is a pattern now that I've seen a lot. I was watching uh, the excellent revival of Justified, great Great show. It was called City Primeval. The justified guy is sleeping with another kind of overweight black actress is the love interest. And we all know these sad little attempts to declare that Lizzo is sexy when she's very unappealing. And, you know, there's some comedian who said, if, if you think Lizzo is so sexy, go tell your girlfriend that she looks like Lizzo and see what happens. Uh, Jordan Peterson, right, remember, was excoriated when he pointed out that this fat model uh, Yumi knew was not beautiful on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover, which she's not. And it's not and it's not only black women. But, you know, I think that this is a type that they are going after. Victoria's Secret uh, went from featuring stunningly hot models to putting fat, overweight models in. And they have to actually label the pages with these overweight models very sexy in case you had a thought of your own like that woman's overweight. I'm not going to buy those bra and panties. I don't want to look like that now. Obviously, I, I have known guys, they're guys who have love overweight women. That's great. Nothing has nothing to do with me. You know, they're guys who uh, fall for this and, and there are overweight women who are, are attractive. However, however, that is not the human norm. You know, people always paint to, uh, point to the painter, Peter Paul Rubens, who painted fat women, you know, with lots of cellulite and all this stuff. And, and there are some extremely ancient statues that are thought to be fertility gods of these very big women, but you, we don't really know anything about those, so that's hard. But you can look at nude statues and nude paintings going back for 5,000 years, and the sphere of attractiveness, the border lines of attractiveness, who is attractive and who is not, 
is pretty narrow. There is a human norm of what's attractive, and fat is not in it. It's, it's really for slender women and men. So this is how they get you. Pay attention, because this is, uh, this is the first law. Remember, the first law is they make you angry. Angry makes you stupid. Stupid makes you easy to control. And they beat you because you're being stupid. You know Lizzo's unattractive. They insist that you say she's sexy or you're bigoted in some way. So you get angry because you're being told to lie and you're being shamed for not lying. That is what they're doing. They're shaming you for not lying. They did this with Jordan Peterson. Even the right piled on Jordan for this. He was, he was absolutely right. That woman did not belong on the front cover of a Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, which men buy to see pretty girls in, in short, uh, in, in small bathing suits. That's why it's there. That's why it exists. That's its purpose. That's its telos. That's its reason. Putting a fat girl on it is not following that telos. So you get angry, again, rightly so, and you start saying mean things about individual fat women. She's fat. She's ugly. Fat women are ugly. Ugly women are fat. All this stuff. Because you're pissed off and you want to tell the truth instead of being forced to lie. And now what happens? You are now a mean little schmuck. You are now insulting people who have an eating disorder. (laughs) You're insulting people over their looks, which is, you know, I don't think I have to make this argument. That's a nasty thing to do. Nobody would ever do that in real life. Nobody, you wouldn't do it to your friends. You wouldn't do it to your wife if she was not looking great. You wouldn't say, hey, honey, you're looking ugly, you know. And so now people can discount your opinion. You have lost power because you've gotten angry. So you have to hit back at these lies because these are lies. You have to hit them back with the truth. Because when you tell the truth, you can find deeper truths. When you tell the truths about the way people look, then you can start to find deeper truths about the way people are. Because plenty of beautiful women are not beautiful inside. Plenty of handsome men are not handsome inside. We all know that. We all know that's not the most important thing about anybody. But people are beautiful in stories because their beauty represents inner beauty. Right? That's, what a, that's how a story works. That's how visuals work. Venus in paintings is beautiful because she represents eros, and eros is beautiful. Aphrodite is beautiful because she represents wisdom, and wisdom is beautiful. Sleeping beauty is beautiful because she, that represents sleeping femininity, the young woman becoming into womanhood, the young girl coming into womanhood, and femininity is beautiful even in the ugliest women. In fact, feminine women become a lot more attractive once you get to know them. So, once you know that beauty is only skin deep, and you want to, let's say you want to tell a story about that, okay? Let me, let me tell you a story, and I will bet, this is a classic movie, and I will bet nobody back in the engineering room, many of them are movie fans, except Jonesy maybe, has ever seen this movie or heard of this movie, a movie called Marty. A movie made in 1955. It, it won the Oscar. It was written by a famous writer, Patty Chayefsky. He was a horrible human being, but he was, a, he was an interesting writer, and some of the stuff he did was really good. And I think this was his first film. And it's a beautiful, beautiful film. And it stars Ernest Borgnine. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Uh, He went on to have a hit TV comedy when I was a little kid called Mikhail's Navy. And he's a kind of toad-like looking man, right? Now, all the men who listen to Pearl Davis and think, oh, I'll never get married and marriage is hard and women are terrible and all this, should watch Marty. They should go and watch Marty because it's more relevant than anything you're going to hear online from her or, or any of these red pill people. Marty is a butcher. He's an ordinary guy. You know, he's not the best guy. He can't find a girl because he's ugly. And he keeps getting treated badly by women because they want to go out with the handsome guy, the rich guy, the guy who's not a butcher. And his mom is always nagging him, go to the dance hall. They had dance halls then and meet a girl. But he says he's been rejected too many times. Here's the scene with his mom. Cut one. 
Are you going to die without a son? So I'll die without a son. Oh, Marty, put on the blue suit, huh? Blue suit, gray suit. I'm just a fat little man, a fat, ugly man. You're not ugly. I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm ugly. Marty. Ma, leave me alone. Ma, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? I'm miserable enough as it is. That's a very famous line. It comes up later in the movie. Uh, I'm a fat, ugly little man. And it's shocking. It's shocking. That, you know, that's what we're watching a movie about. We're watching a movie about a fat, ugly little man. But notice the thing that he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I'm not ugly. Fat is not ugly. He tells the truth. Why? Because only with the truth can you get to the deeper truth. Finally, he does go out his mom insists, and he meets an ugly woman. She's a plain woman. And unlike in our movies when they have a plain woman and they just kind of like give some gorgeous actress limp hair, this woman is really not that attractive. And they dance together at the dance hall and they like each other. And this is, it's, it's, a, it's just a beautiful movie. As I was watching clips, I was choking up over it. It was cut to. All my brothers, my brothers-in-law, they're always telling me what a good-hearted guy I am. You don't get to be good-hearted by accident. You, you get kicked around long enough here, you get to be a, a real professor of pain. I know exactly how you feel. And I also want you to know I'm having a very good time with you right now and, and, and really enjoying myself. But you see, you're not such a dog as you think you are. I'm having a very good time, too. So there you are. So uh, I guess I'm not such a dog as I think I am. You're a very nice guy. I don't know why some girl hasn't grabbed you off long ago. Well, I don't know either. I think I'm a very nice guy. I also think I'm a pretty smart guy in my own way. Excuse me. You know how I figure two people get married and are going to live together 40, 50 years, so it's got to be more than whether they're just good-looking or not. <laughs> Bingo! Bingo, it's got to be more. You know, this is what gets me about all these guys who talk about marriage and the women want a high-value woman, a high-value man, by which they mean rich and successful, and the man wants only wants a girl. With and he's saying these people together for 40 or 50 years, maybe it's about more than that. But notice what he says. And again, this is an Oscar-winning film that nobody talks about anymore. He talks about the fact that suffering has made him kind. That suffering has taught him to be a good-hearted person because he's become a professor of pain. Because he's ugly, because he's fat, because women have mistreated him, has he become an angry guy sitting in his mother's basement watching pornography and listening to Pearl Davis and saying, oh, yeah, it's women, it's women. No, he understands that this is part of life. This is, the, this is a human value, and he hasn't got he didn't get a break. He got a bad break, and it has made him compassionate, wise, and kind, so that when he sees a girl who is also not that attractive, he can see into her. He can see that she is more beautiful than she looks, because stories are only stories. And when you start with the truth, which is that some people are beautiful and some people are not, when you start with the truth, you get to wisdom. You get to suffering and you get to wisdom. People don't like suffering, but that's, you know, let's, it's like everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Everyone wants to become wise, but nobody wants to suffer. It's the same damn thing. When you tell us ugliness is beautiful, you basically give, make people entitled to feel like you should be attracted to them. I hear this all the time. If you're not attracted to a trans person, you're transphobic. My <laughs> feeling is, yeah, you can beat that drum till you die. It's not, I'm not going to be attracted to that because it's not attractive. It's, it's, it's awful. It's, it's obviously some kind of mental problem. So 
when, when you teach people a falsehood, when you teach them that pe- they, they deserve people's admiration, they deserve to be whistled at, or uh, they deserve to be the models in underwear ads, which are basically made to make people feel they'll look beautiful, you make them feel resentful when that doesn't happen. That's why all these trans people, these make-believe women who are actually men, that's why they're violent and angry and why they're threatening the people here and t- with, with death, because they feel they're entitled to lie themselves into another life that they can't because they will not grasp the truth. So, you know, the truth leads to suffering. It does. Suffering leads to wisdom. Wisdom leads to compassion. And sometimes compassion leads to loving kindness. And then you have a, a beautiful life, right? Entitlement leads to resentment. You get bitter, you get angry, you end up alone. And worse than, let, let's look at how this goes even further to this assault in our culture on womanhood and femininity. Are you struggling to sleep at night? I've given up the struggle, but you might be lying in bed overthinking or have anxiety, or you're on your phone while lying in bed, making it harder to fall asleep. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? Just look at me. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health and performance in our days. Having a consistent nighttime routine is non-negotiable. If you're struggling with sleep, you need to check out Beam. Beam is designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and help you wake up refreshed. Beam's Dream Powder contains a powerful, all-natural blend of ingredients that include one of our favorites, magnesium L-theanine. Beam sent some Dream Powder down to the studio for my team to try. They're they're all asleep. I can't even talk to them anymore. But they did say, really, truly, that Beam really does help them fall asleep, stay asleep, and they wake up ready to go. Unlike regular sleeping pills that have made them wake up feeling groggy, Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. And today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's delicious Dream Powder, their best-selling hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. It's now available in delicious flavors like cinnamon cocoa and chocolate peanut butter. Better sleep has never tasted better. If you want to try Beam's best-selling Dream Powder, get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Clavin and use code Clavin at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash Claven and use code Claven for up to 40% off. You can fall asleep counting the E's in Claven. That's how fast you'll fall asleep because there are none. There are no E's in Claven. Chapter three, women without womanhood. So continuing on this thought, in stories, in stories, we like to see pretty people play at romance because it symbolizes their inner beauty and the real romance that we want. And when you fall in love, you do kind of feel better about yourself, right? You feel like you're valuable. You're valuable to somebody. Somebody is willing to marry you. Somebody is willing to love you. Somebody cares about you. And that obviously lifts you up. It's a wonderful thing. You know, that's why, because there are all kinds of stories. Remember, our culture is all stories. That's what a culture is. A culture is stories that are either true and therefore lead to, uh, you know, freedom and happiness, or they're false and they lead to misery and despair. Socialism is a false story, right? Capitalism is a true story as far as it goes economically, and that will lead to more success. You tell false stories, you go down the drain. You tell true stories, you do well. But there are all kinds of stories. So for instance, this is why we're getting this silliness about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is the Kansas City Chiefs tight end. And, you know, I'm sure she has a lovely backside, too. I'm not, I'm not trying to be prejudiced here. But, but obviously, they, they seem to be dating. 
And I'm a big NFL fan, so Sunday night, I'm watching Sunday night football, and suddenly, it's like watching girls' night out. This is like Mike and Chris, two of my favorite announcers. I love them. I look forward to seeing them every Sunday. They're, what do they call it? They're my parasocial relationship. Suddenly, they're talking. Taylor Swift is in the house, and I got to listen to this. This is cut five. Of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on NBC's Sunday Night Football. Oh, and yeah... She's here. Taylor is in the house. And we thank you for having us into your house. Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, Melissa Stark. Hi, Swifties. We'll be with you all night. <laughs> Chris Collinsworth looks like he wishes he was in the next state. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it's like, oh, she's here. I'm like, throw the kick, do the kickoff. What the hell am I listening to this for? We're giggly because it's a story. It's a story. He's a handsome guy. She's a pretty girl. They're famous. They're, you know, they're, they're, we have parasocial relationships with them. In real life, in real life, just clear your mind for a minute. Who gives a rat's ass who Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are sleeping with? Taylor Swift, as far as I can tell, and I, I like Taylor Swift. I think she sings nice little songs. I, you know, I'm not trying to attack her. But she it seems to me every six months is sleeping with some other guy who's obviously going to ditch her at some point. I mean, she constantly is sleeping with guys who go like, really, really? But she's, you know, she's she's a mess. She's an entertainer. She's a performer. Artists, performers are crazy people. She's a mess. If we take them liber- literally, then then you start. This is a, a real problem in our culture. I'm not making this up. Then you start to live that life. You start to think that life is for you. Now, these people have so much money that when they get STDs or they have unwanted pregnancies or anything that they they can do anything they want. They can cover up for all their mistakes. And if it means you know, an abortion and if it means, you know, taking medicine, it's not going to matter to them because they're already nuts. You know, these are people, people living, you know, as entertainers are almost all crazy. You know, they are not you. They're not living an actual life. They are just representatives. They're just like, they're just like Sleeping Beauty in the Disney cartoons. They're as alive as they are, as far as you're concerned. And so if you take them, li- literally, you start thinking that that's a way to live. You know, every six months you have another uh, relationship and it's all about how pretty, oh, and, oh, she's in the house and how giggly it all is. It has nothing to do with that, obviously. Relationships, Marty is a far more honest depiction of what a real relationship is like for 99.9% of it. And I'm not saying that their relationships are better. Most of them end up pretty miserable, these these stars and these uh, celebrities. They end up pretty miserable and pretty unhappy because their marriages fall apart and they still have children. Their children still get hurt just like other children do. But if you live like that, you're, you know, <laughs> there was this, this baseball pitcher, Tra- Trevor Bauer. I don't know if you saw this. He's been Me too and he has been in all these lawsuits. He's a couple of times he's been accused of assaulting women. And he was in a cross suit with this woman, woman who accused him of strangling her and doing all this stuff. And one of these suits went on and on and on. And it turned out that this woman was a femme fatale. I mean, she was a literal femme fatale who had planned with one of her friends to get her whole, her hands on this guy's money by talking him into rough sex and then accusing him of assaulting her. And he had, he came on uh, X, I guess, and had the proof that he had finally gotten of texts with her friends where they were setting this up. Here's a brief clip of that. Next victim, star pitcher for the Dodgers. A text Lindsay Hill sent to a friend before she ever even met me. What should I steal? She asked another in reference to visiting my house for the first time. The answer, take his money. 
So how might that work? I'm going to his house Wednesday, she said. I already have my hooks in. You know how I roll. Then, after the first time we met, net worth is 51 mil, she said. Bitch, you better secure the bag, was the response. Uh, but, but how was she going to do that? Need daddy to choke me out, she said. Being an absolute whore to try to get in on his 51 million, read another text. Uh, then, after the second time we met, former Padres pitcher Jacob Nix told her, you got to get this bag. I'll give you 50,000, Lindsay replied. Her AA sponsor asked her at one point, do you feel a tiny bit guilty? Not really, she replied. All right. So now I saw a lot of this. Some conservatives come out and they say this is a horrible, horrible woman who should be in prison. Well, yeah, I, I think that that is absolutely right. She's a horrible, horrible woman. And other guys were like, you know, see what I mean? You know, men, they get the short. This, this horrible thing happened to him and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, you know, OK, OK, you know, she's a horrible woman. He got he got nailed. And that's that's not fair. And this Me Too thing, obviously, it had a lot of witch hunt components to it. But can anybody think how Trevor Bauer could have avoided the situation altogether? Let's take a moment. Let's all take a moment and put our thinking, put those little caps on, you know, the little thinking caps with little electrodes on them and just see if we can spark our brains and think of some way that this didn't have to happen. You live in a material life and you get the material results. You live in a material life and you lay aside every human value, which is what the left is trying to get you to do. See, this is what gets me about it. You fall into the pit that they dig for you and then say, I'm in a pit and life sucks. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because they, they pointed out what's wrong, they made you angry, and then they got you. They got you. They dragged you into their values while you weren't paying attention. See, this is the whole scam. The thing is, it's the values that matter. If your value, I'm not saying everything is going to go great for you if your values are right. Please don't, please do not tell me that that's what I'm saying. I understand, you know, Jesus was a great guy and look what happened to him. That's not the way it works, right? But still, still live by true values, live by real values, relate to, to God, relate to the, the guy who made you and who put, made you in his image. You're going to have a different life. You're going to have a different life than if you live like this. If you wake up next to some girl that you don't know and and she's out to get your money, I, I sympathize, sort of. But I have to think like that didn't have to happen. You didn't have to do that. And this is why this is why people dislike me. I'm, look at me. I'm the most lovable human being on earth. Ask my step. No, don't ask my step. But but ask <laughs> ask somebody who doesn't know me. I am one of the most <laughs> lovable people on earth. And people get angry at me because. I keep saying, you got to start with you. That's all the material you've got. All the material you've got that you have control over is you, right? So you got to start with this. If you, if you treat your body like it, like it doesn't matter, like it's a sex toy, you're going to get the things that sex toys get. You're going to get boned, basically. You know, here's, an, here's another one, an extension of this. This is actually kind of the same thing. I'm kind of enjoying this show on Apple TV called Silo, and it's based on Wool, which I think was an internet sensation. And it's made by Graham Yost, who also did Justified. So, I mean, he's got some values. And the show is entertaining. You know, I'm not going to tell you it's great, but it's an entertaining sci-fi type of show. And, uh, and it's got Rebecca Ferguson, who's a very talented Swedish actress, I think. And, and like I said, I'm enjoying it. But the main character, played by Sarah Ferguson, who's this little wisp of a girl, very lovely, she's a man in the story. She is a man. I mean, in the story, she's a woman, but in real life, she'd be a man. She solves her problems by fixing things. That's a man thing. That's what men do. Men solve their problems by taking it out 
on things. It's not what women do. Women address their problems much more directly. She gets into fights. She punches people in the nose. She climbs up on things uh, hand over hand, and then they lift up a big thing, and she fixes it and screws it. She's a man. She's a man. That's all of it, what men do in, in hero situations that require great strength that she wouldn't have, okay? Now, again, this is the stuff that makes women listeners, some women listeners, angry at me when I said, for instance, that women can't win a medieval sword fight, which they can't. They, they simply can't. They would be overpowered, killed within seconds. Like I said, the guy wouldn't even kill them. He would just walk through them to get to the guy with the sword in back of them. Heroines all have to be strong. And when they say strong, they don't mean strong like a woman having a baby. They don't mean strong like a woman facing the death of a friend. They don't mean strong like a woman standing up when her husband is collapsing because he's got too many troubles. They don't mean a woman sticking by a guy when he's got nothing and when he's fallen apart, which I've experienced in my own life. They don't mean that kind of strong. They mean strong with her hands on her hips and punching people in the nose so that they fall down. They're not flattering you, ladies. They are not flattering you when they do that. They are stripping you of your womanhood. They are stripping you of what makes you you. They're accepting the materialist value, and this is the value of materialism, that the highest good is power. And if you don't have power, you are less than the people who do, as opposed to the spiritual value of femininity, which is the highest good is love. And therefore, a mother is participating in the highest good, one of the symbols of our, maybe the symbol of our highest humanity, is Mary in the Bible, the Virgin Mary who gives birth to Jesus. And you know, what happens if you don't honor Mary, who is womanhood, as chaste and fertile and the giver of life, the giver of humanity, you get the opposite of that, which is this guy. You play the cut of this is a, a trans influencer, Rihanna Rose. I will let a doctor who has successfully transplanted a uterine complex before cut the organs out of a willing, healthy, transmasculine donor, place them in my body, I will devote myself, heart and soul, to their aftercare. I will have as much gay sex as it takes with as many trans women as it takes and let the transphobes and homophobes scratch their heads wondering what to make of it and I want to be the first trans woman to have an abortion. Right. We have let, we have let these people, and I'm not saying you, each individual, these are people who have taken over our culture over 60 years. They infiltrated our culture with their beliefs because they knew what they believed or we just knew we wanted to stop them. That's all we knew. They knew who they wanted to be. We knew who we wanted to kill. And that's why they were successful. They have done everything they can to overturn human values, human values of beauty, human values of love, human values of gender, human values of creation. When you get the highest human value is life. And when you get rid of all the human values, you end up in love with death. Take a woman, make him a man, then give him the power to give birth so he can kill the child. I mean, if that's not a depiction of being in love with death, you remember what God says in the Bible, I'm putting before you life and death, choose life so that you may live. They have done the opposite, and they're getting you and me to do the opposite, too. We shouldn't be fighting with them. We should be taking the country and the culture back one day at a time, one person at a time, and the first person is you. 
When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like somebody not showing up when they're supposed to, or an employee filing a complaint for which you don't have a documented policy or procedure. That's why you should talk to Bambi. Bambi gives you access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just 99 bucks per month. This person is available to you by phone, email, and real-time chat. They'll help you run employee onboarding, terminations, and performance reviews. With Bambi's HR Autopilot feature, you can automate important HR practices like setting policies, employee training, and feedback procedures. All of Bambi's HR managers are based in the United States, and they can support the nuances across all 50 states. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at just $99 per month. Schedule a free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type Andrew Claven under podcast when you sign up. Bambi, it's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com, Bambi.com, and type in Andrew Claven. Final chapter, death by illusion. So let's go back to our, our sacred rule, right? Injustice makes you angry. Anger makes you stupid. Stupidity makes you easy to manipulate. So when the people tell you there's an injustice, the next thing you should be thinking is, well, what are we going to do about it? Not, not like making a big fuss, not like going on, on cable news, not making a show. What are we going to do about it? What's the hard work of doing things? Because what, one of the reasons I think I sometimes get into minor battles with loudmouths online, I usually ignore them, but sometimes they, they draw me out, is because I'm not a revolutionary. I am a reformer. And reform takes hard work. And the hard work begins with you, and you have to do stuff, and you have to you know make compromises. You have to get in and sort of fix the engine and all that stuff. And that's really hard to do. You know, I hear all these people, all these revolutionaries attacking the Daily Wire, one of the most successful cultural vehicles for the right that's ever been invented ever. And they're, you know, they insult us for all the things that we don't do or for making money and all that stuff, but they ain't doing nothing. They're just putting on a show. And this is actually, we've actually had an effect, not just on politics, but on the culture too, because it happened day at a time. We came in one day at a time. We did the work. We did it at every level. You know, we're we're just guys like me and Ben Knowles. We're just the faces of it. All these people behind the scenes who did the work of getting this thing up and running. And that's what you have to do. I don't know if anybody remembers the movie Seven. I, I thought it was a bad script, but I thought it was a really brilliantly directed crime movie. And it's about a serial killer who kills according to the seven deadly sins. And the last one is wrath. And he entices somebody into shooting him so that he takes his vengeance on the very people who are trying to stop them. And that's the situation we're in right now. It's romantic to be a revolutionary. It makes good podcast bait. It makes good clickbait. But the hard work begins with you and then goes into the little things around you, the places around you that you can affect, that you can have an effect, your school system, your children especially. The system is bad. It's bad. Our institutions are rotten. Uh, the Democrats are on, truly on the road to a philosophy of, of genuine wickedness, of calling evil good and good evil. But what do you think happens if we just burn it down? What do you think happens if we just go after every flamethrower who appeases our anger? What do you think is going to happen? Use your imagination. It's not just going to grow back the way you want it. You're going to have handed your country and your freedom and your future over to the people who inflamed your rage and who have nothing but that flaming rage 
to give you. You know, they, you think that you're going to get something out of Andrew Tate. It drives me crazy, especially for the young guys, because he's really harmful to them. He's a pimp. You know, that, that should be like the skull on the guy's hat in the video about are we the baddies? You know, you're following a pimp. He's an admitted pimp. It's not, I'm not accusing him of anything. You know, you're not going to end up strutting around like, you know, James Bond. If you if you get rid of marriage, if you hate on women, you think you're going to end up like James Bond giving, you know, plenty O'Toole to pussy galore. You know, that's not that's not what's going to happen. You're going to end up alone. You're going to end up defeated. You're going to end up in despair. It is not a good look for, for your future. Use your imagination. This is the thing. I, I get it. I, I do get it. I get how bad the system is. I do understand that there's danger. I, I have said a million times, way before any of these red pill people existed, I said that a marriage under the rule of no-fault divorce is not a marriage. That's one of the reasons I said you had no right to attack gay people. It wasn't gay people who ruined marriage. It was straight people with that kind of stuff. Start to reform it. Work to reform it. Don't yell at me about it. This is not, it's not my issue. I'm having a great marriage. I'm having a great time. If you don't like it, stop it. And remember, it's a long fight. This is the thing that nobody, everybody says, the most important election of your lifetime. There is no most important election of your lifetime. You're gonna, you could lose the country in one election, but you can't save the country in one election. That is going to take hard work and getting rid of the loudmouths and getting rid of the, the do-nothings, too, of all those rhinos. They're real. They're, you're not making them up. I, I get it. I know they're there. But getting in getting people who can actually govern and do the work of governing and do the work of negotiation, and then creating the generations. I don't believe in revolutions because they almost never work. There's one revolution that works, and it takes a long time. That revolution is having children, having children. Make yourself into somebody who can get married, get married, bang your wife, save the country. Everyone here at the office loves the Genucel Dark Spot Corrector. You might be asking what this product even does. Well, if you have sunspots, dark spots, discoloration, dry skin, the Genucel Dark Spot Corrector will help those blemishes disappear in front of your very eyes. Kimberly from Youngstown, Ohio says, My appearance has improved so much since Genucel. I love all my Genucel products and my skin looks younger. Now it's your turn to feel like Kimberly. But hurry, because this sale is ending very soon. Take advantage of Genucel's most popular package, which includes the beloved Dark Spot Corrector. This package also includes the Genucel's classic under-eye treatment. You will get all these products for almost 70% off. At 7.0, Genucel is so confident in their products that you can try them for yourself completely risk-free. If you don't see immediate results, you get your money back. It's simple. Go to genucell.com slash Clavin and start looking years, even decades younger tomorrow. Say hello to the best skin you've ever had at genucell.com slash Clavin. That's genucell.com slash Clavin. Now you want it, you want it, but you say, oh, but how? How do I spell Clavin? It is K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no All right, I told you about this book at the opening, but I'm going to tell you again, my amazing daughter, the incredibly talented and also charming and also really good-looking Faith Moore, is a writer, a wife, a mom, author of a new rendition of the age-old Christmas classic, A Christmas Carol. Hers is called Christmas Carol, Carol with a K. It's a modern twist on the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, except with a female protagonist. It's a world where boss babes are championed at the expense of family, but Faith is making the case that having what matters is far better than having it all. Christmas Carol is now available for pre-order. Proud of you, Faith. As always, order yours on Amazon or wherever you get your books today. All right, Clavin Clapbacks. 
Let's indict the mother Let's indict. <laughs> oh, my Lord. What country have I woken up in? All right. Clavin clapbacks, both Clavin and clapbacks are spelled with a K. They start with a K. There are no E's in either of them. Clavin clapbacks at dailywire.com. Please write in and tell us what you think of the show. Tell us what you disagree with. Tell us when you're right and you agree with us. Uh, we want to hear from you. I love hearing from you, truly. Uh, so this, the first one is from Anna Anne Marie Hobbs, who says, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your reflections on motherhood. They've helped me value my own motherhood, something I've struggled with, even as a mother of eight. Well, good for God, good for you. That's, that's, the, that's the spirit I want to hear. In your fantastic interview with Vodi Bakum, you seem to throw a little shade at the Virgin Mary and also on the Catholic understanding of celibacy. Celibacy is always understood to be giving up a great good like marriage and family life for the sake of a greater good, which is full service to God. The Virgin Mary is understood to be the Ark of the New Covenant because she carried Jesus Christ. Why would he not care about her purity ever after he was born? Thank you for your humor. I'm enjoying your show now, a regular listener. Well, thank you, Anne uh, Marie. First of all, I'm not casting shade on Catholicism. I am a Catholic. I'm an Anglican Catholic. And I know for Roman Catholics, they feel it's not enough, but it is the right thing for me. And uh, I, my theology is almost entirely Catholic, although it only goes up to about 400 <laughs> AD. That's where we stop. But, but one, one beef I have with Catholic defenders is they pretend that the theology of Catholicism has never changed. And that's simply not true. One of the things that the church wrestled with mightily during the Middle Ages was whether virginity was better than the married state. And, you know, in Paul, he does have this line, better to marry than to burn. And I said to Vodi, you know, not exactly a ringing endorsement. And so this has changed, and the attitude towards sex has changed. And John, I'm familiar with John Paul II's thought on this about the, the theology of the body and all this stuff. But it has actually shifted to pay more tribute to the married life and to uh, the sexual life. And as for uh, the Virgin Mary, I have a problem with the idea of purity in a wife, including virginity. That's, that's my problem with it. I, I wasn't there. I don't know what the Virgin Mary's you know, private life was like. That's not really my point. My point is, uh, is, is it pure for a wife to be a virgin? Would that actually be a good thing? And that's something I do uh, question. That's a, you know, in, in Anglican Catholicism, you don't have to believe that. It's considered a good belief, but you don't have to believe it. Uh, from Dri Eno, but all of this is with respect, by the way. I understand the doctrine and totally respect it. Uh, Dre Eno says, as a Daily Wire Plus member, I look forward to your show every week. This week, your thoughts about marriage being about love was really good, but you said that the picture of Christ in the church wasn't a good enough explanation for a reason to get married since the picture of Christ's love for his church and his sacrifice for his church is the greatest love story the world has ever seen. How does this not provide a good picture of marriage? Well, my only point about it is, it does, I said that it does. I said that a great, great marriage ultimately does come to look like Christ's love for the church. I, I actually did say that. But my point was that that's not why people get married. You don't look at a woman and say, you know, there's a woman I could love like Christ loves the church. You know, you, that's not the way it works. I mean, I'm just trying to be a little realistic here. Uh, Samuel says, I wanted to give everyone a friendly reminder to read your Cameron Winter books if they haven't already. I just reread When Christmas Comes in preparation for the upcoming release of The House of Love and Death. I promise I didn't write this. Uh, and it was even better on a reread. My books are better on a reread. I, by, by the way, you're not the first person to say it. Uh, as someone who has read most of your back catalog of books, I can say with authority that this is some of the best books you have ever produced. See this? I do not flatter, he says. I merely and meekly tell the truth. The house of love and death, pre-order it right this minute. Do not wait. Do not wait. Life is 
ticking away. You could die in the next minute, and then you would not have pre-ordered the House of Love and Death. And then, you know, how am I supposed to make a living? Uh, all right, I'm going to stop there if you are a non-member, but you should be a member. What is it? Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Claven at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Now, if you're, since you're not a member, you already know how to spell Claven because I say it in all the ads. If you are a member, you don't have to listen to a lot of the ads, so you may not know this K-L-A-V-A-N, but at least you're a member, so you don't get plunged into the Clavenless week so quickly. And you know that what the Clavenless week is like, the darkness, the screaming, the fire, broken glass, all of it. You know all of it so well because very, some of you have actually survived it and come back, but most of you have not. This is the time to become a member and come to member block.